GateWorld.net. I'm David Reed once again here with my buddy Cliff Simon. Cliff, a pleasure to be back with you in California. A little oh. chillier than usual, though. Oh, yeah, much chillier, man. This is like freezing. This is, I just took off my Uggs a few minutes ago, and I should have kept them on because my little slip socks are freezing. <laughs> <laughs> now, how long have you been in this area now? Uh, I've lived in Culver City for 10 years, okay. nearly 10 years. Yep. Wow. And you got you only got your American citizenship just a few years ago, though. Yeah, 2005. And you were over here working green card, I guess, or uh, no? I was uh, I, w- I was on a green card till 2005. Yep. Okay. Yeah. How are your CDs doing? Um, the uh, like a particularly American affirmation, you know, where you were that that's a very important part. Uh, yeah. Also, your uh, your your. Renewing your mind. I'm sorry. That the other title. Stress. The stress is all in the mind. That's right. Um, right. They're doing good. American Affirmations is doing very well. Actually, they they playing it on the Iraqi troop radio station every day. Really? Yeah, we've had a really amazing feedback from the troops. uh, How much they love it, and they're trying to organize that I go on an ISO tour to Iraq, which I would love to do. Yeah. Even locally, you know, San Diego down to the naval stations or whatever. It's been received really well because the troops have felt, well, at least somebody's uh, recognizing, you know, we're doing our job and mm-hmm. that's what we do, you know. So we're saying thanks to them because mm-hmm. they're just doing their job. They're yeah. told what to do. Um, the stress CDs, it's, it's not doing as well as I thought. It does well if I take CDs with uh-huh. to a convention myself uh-huh. and speak to people about it. Everybody wants the CD. Yeah. They don't just want to order it online. Um, right. And also, they want me to sign it, which I do at all the conventions. Um, it's doing well. I think. I th- I think now I might have given it the wrong kind of name, um, because it should have been pushed more as a meditation CD and as a relaxation CD. Okay. A lot of people will say, "Well, I don't have stress. Yeah. <coughs> I don't need it." You know. And you've learned more, to live with it. Yeah, and it's more about deep breathing exercises for for fitness and for health, and uh, to stay focused on things like that. So it might have been the wrong name, but it's doing okay. I mean, I'm not making a fortune on money. I didn't do it for the money at all. I just did it as a project. Um, the people that have heard it and the, the, some teams of youngsters, like fencing teams, um, they love it and they found that it has helped them. So, you know, it's all through word of mouth and, you know, people who listen to it and who practice it every day will tell their friends and then their friends will get it, which is the way I prefer to do it. You know, I'm not a salesman. I don't want to just sell CDs like a like a singer um, people must know and be referred to get it and it's fine so it's gradually getting better it didn't explode onto the scene and take well, off. well you know and, and a lot of the bigger things you know kind of just percolate and all of a sudden you know get bigger and bigger you know and yeah. it's important that you talk about things that you are passionate about right, right. you know centering your mind centering your body getting right. everything in sync you know right. where did that where did that stem from for you where you, did you find a, yourself at a point in life where you were really stressed and say ah, i have to change some kind of i have to change something that's going on in my life and i need to how, well, how did that come you about you know what coming from my swimming days i was always taught to be positive and and focus on my sport and focus on what i'm doing uh-huh. so yeah i mean i was very stressed out especially with competition uh-huh. um, but i naturally I mean, I was taught to a certain degree with martial arts, deep breathing exercises, chi exercises. Um, but for competition, I realized I have to focus that energy, what I thought at that time was negative energy, and turn it into positive energy to give me strength in the water. Um, yeah. And I did that. You know, I would sit and I would visualize my competitions. I would visualize the actual race. 
a thousand times before I actually swam it. So when I came to swim the race, my mind already believed I was the winner. Because you'd and, already done it in your head. Right, right. And that uh -huh. people need to do that every yeah. day of their life with whatever. As an actor, you visualize yourself working. You go to an audition, you visualize yourself already having that job. Um, or you want to be on a certain show, visualize yourself on that show. Mm -hmm. Every day, every day. Eventually it'll come. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just believing in yourself. Well, you know, and it's also taking good care of yourself, too. You know, I'm, I'm a runner. Right. And I... My record was three miles, 30 minutes nonstop. Wow. Until the other day when I decided to stretch before running, yeah. I went to four in one attempt. No? Only because I decided to stretch. Right. There are certain things that not everyone, especially me, just doesn't think of doing. Right. You know, that really increases your stamina and how far you can go. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It's preparing your body. You know, you prepare your body and your mind. It's like anything. I mean, you get in your car in the morning when it's freezing cold. You let it warm up a little bit. The engine's got to warm. It's oil's got to lubricate, and then it goes. Yeah, you can't just necessarily cold start it. Yeah, okay. I did yesterday. I cold started and picked up a table, and today my back is sore. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> an effect. That's what happens. <laughs> I didn't stretch or warm up. Ah, <laughs> uh, jeez. So, um, Stargate Continuum obviously came out uh, late July. I didn't want to really talk with you about it until we could really sit down and discuss it. Mm. You know, you, we we were really careful about not revealing too much about the spoilers and everything. I had yeah. I had me thinking that there was going to be an intimate love scene with with uh, between Ball and Katesh, and intimate in one sense, <laughs> stab yeah. right through there. Very intimate. <laughs> yes. Um, tell us about what you thought of the script. The, the script when you when you first read it. You know what what potential you saw, how it was executed. Um, what were your feelings about this? Um, first of all, I thought it was a very well-written script. Uh, when I first sat down and read the script, I, I liked it, except for the fact that I felt there was there was a huge gap in the script where I wasn't, nothing was happening. Yeah, we were following the right, team. Right, we were following them with what's happened with them, and I felt that's where it lost momentum for me. Um, and then when I saw the movie, I felt that's where it lost momentum once again. But I loved the script, and obviously in the end I read, yeah, I die and I die and I die, but right in the end, I love the fact that the human is now alive. The host yeah. body is alive. And that, for me, was very interesting because this is a 2,000-year-old host. Maybe he was a really evil guy. We don't know. Mm -hmm. um, but he has a lot of knowledge. And I think he has a lot of knowledge that the SG team would want to know. Mm -hmm. um, so that leaves a story open. Mm -hmm. you know, anything can happen. But I was very happy that yeah, maybe Baal is dead. We don't even know. You know, right. maybe that was the real ball. I think it was the real ball. Well, but I, I think the host is, is actually more of an interesting character now that he's human than ball, and with the way that people could relate to the host because he's human. Well, we've be heard, yeah, there, there have been only a handful of hosts who have returned from being enslaved by these parasites in their bodies. You know, some of them have more information than others. You know, but they always have an interesting story to tell. I remember back in the first season, there was a character by the name of, of Kendra. And she had gotten rid of her, her ghoul by going through a, a hammer device invented by Thor. And, but she was just so traumatized that she never wanted to go back. Right. You know, so it seems to me like this, is, this would be a really fertile area to explore at some point yeah. in the future. I mean, you know, definitely if, if, if there's another Stargate SG-1 movie... You know, I think that's an area that they should explore. Mm -hmm. I think it's a very interesting area. Because basically, Baal, well, now the host, is, is like Katesh mm -hmm. and Vala. 
Right. You know, it's following the exact same lines. Mm-hmm. I think this guy has so much knowledge that he could really help them and work with them, mm-hmm. work with the team against some other big bad guys. Not having, I mean, not laying aside the fact that this character has had an incredible journey already. You yeah. know, I mean, you've, and, and this is one of the things that I always enjoy talking about you, you're the longest lasting ghoul in terms of the number of seasons that he's been through and now, and now movies as well. This has to have been, even if you never do go back to it, this has to have been a, a rewarding experience when you look at it as a whole. Yeah, and it's been amazing. I mean, the whole trip, the six or seven years that I worked with him, um, season five, well, five seasons mm-hmm. and the movie, it's, I was very, very lucky, and I had such a great character. I mean, I love my character. I love him. I've been asked before, I think maybe you've asked me who else would I want to play in that, and there's actually no one else. I just found my <laughs> character so interesting. Yeah. And every time he had dialogue, it was interesting stuff, what mm-hmm. was going on. I found, even watching the movie, because I kind of removed myself, and I really just watched the movie as a movie, and every time Baal was on screen, it was kind of interesting. It was like, well, what's he going to do now? And I like to, when I watch any movie, I like a character that I don't know what he's going to be doing mm-hmm. next. Because that's what makes it interesting. That's what keeps me watching. Mm-hmm. You know? And I, I found that with Ball. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, very lucky to work for so long, you know. And I'm very sad it's over. Yeah. Uh, hopefully it'll lead on to some other things and, yeah. you know, we'll see what happens. Well, one of the classic problems with the Gould is, you know, they're like the ultimate bad guy. But they're, they, if you're not careful, they can be very flat. Because ultimate evil and evil for the sake of evil is not interesting. Right, exactly. You know? And that was one of the, the I mean, it's one of the reasons, obviously, surely, why they, why they said, you know, we, we saw him in Summit Last Stand. He's interesting. Right. Let's bring him back. There was a spark in his eye there. I mean, I, I know you, you, you told me once about playing off of Anna Louise Plowman as Osiris, you know. Yeah. Hmm, let's dress her down with my eyes. Yeah, exactly. You know? uh-huh. So, uh-huh. um... They definitely saw that. You know, they saw that there was more more to this guy than uh, than the typical ghoul. Right. I think, and that's how you know that's how I played it. Mm-hmm. And they uh, and someone obviously picked that up because yeah. Ball eventually became the ghoul who thought outside of the box. Right. You know. Right. And and in continuum, that's one of the things that I would have been really interested to see. It it seems like had Katesh not intervened with all the all the other system lords and, and stopped him from from touching down on earth and and saying hello yeah. you know what can we do for humanity yeah. Yeah. he might have succeeded yeah i mean i think it would have been great if that did happen because the only time we saw ball on earth earth was in uh, uh machina yeah where he was had his suit on and he yeah. just looked like a normal everyday business guy and i think mm-hmm. it would have been great to get him back onto earth dressed like that mm-hmm. and not looking like a ghoul mm-hmm. um but you know you never know never know it happen again yeah um what? What's that? He had the greatest fashion sense. Yeah, no. the best oh, beautiful Italian suits, man. Loved them, which they didn't give to me. I asked them, didn't give it to me. I'm like, who else is going to wear these suits? They made for me. They're, they fit you. Like, They're being some of them are being auctioned off online right now. Maybe you're going to have to go I'm and sure. place a bid. Yeah, I'm going to have to go and uh, put up my uh, my bet. <laughs> for continuum, was the shooting more? Straining was it tighter than the TV show, or was it was it a little bit looser? Was it were, were there more opportunities for you to perfect and to tweak? 
you know, how was it compared to the rest of the series? Um, it was a lot, uh, because the show was bigger and sets were bigger, it did take a long, uh, it was a lot longer to shoot. It took uh -huh. a long time to shoot. They, they were more, because Brad was on set every day, mm -hmm. he wanted it a certain way. Mm -hmm. So when you got the producers sitting on set and the writers sitting on set, they wanted a certain way. Whereas in the episodes, it was more about, let's just get these scenes shot, let's get it done, you know, we've got to get it out. So they paid a lot more attention, so it took a lot longer to do. Um, but as far as pressure, no, there wasn't more pressure on me. I put pressure on myself to do as good as I can yeah. when I'm filming. So yeah. I kind of felt the same. Um, but there was a lot more opportunities for, for me to do what I wanted to do. Good. Yeah, because it took more time, so we did more takes. So it gave me more opportunity to, okay, I'm going to try it this way, I'm going to try it that way. But Brad let you... I mean, oh yeah, yeah. Like Brad, you, Brad, you know what? Brad too. was amazing because he never once came to me and said, "Cliff, I don't, you know, don't do that. Do this." Yeah. Never once. And for me, that's a professional. He let me do my job, mm -hmm. and I let him do his job. Mm -hmm. And that, I think that makes a great, uh, a great producer. Well, I remember you said at GayCon, I'd love for you to tell this story again because I got a kick out of it. The Cliff, I want you to scream story. Where you, you specifically said you, you try not to say no to a director, but you you know this character, you yeah. know Ball. Yeah. Um, and you were willing to stand up for him and, and, and fight for him when, when someone tells you to do something specific. Tell us about yeah, that. Yeah, you know, a lot of times on screen, sometimes you as the actor will do something that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. For you, it feels like it, work, for it works, but for the cameras, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So the director will come and say, look, that doesn't work. Try it this way. Then you'll try it that way. But Peter DeLuise came up to me in one episode. Who is an actor, by the way, yeah. as well as a director. Who is an actor, but I think he was bringing, you see, he started acting for me. Yeah. <laughs> and he knows that. I mean, if you ever saw the interview, that's the problem you get with a director who's been an actor or is an actor. Yeah. He'll start acting for you instead right. of directing. And a director must never tell an actor how to act. Yeah. We all got our own jobs. And Peter came in and started telling me how to act. And... Okay, so there was going there was explosions going off in the mothership in the throne room in the throne room, and uh, Peter said, "Okay, Cliff, when the when the explosions go, I want you to scream." And I looked at him. I'm like, "You want me to scream?" <laughs> he said, "Yeah, just react to the explosion, and I want you to like scream like ah." And I'm like, "Peter, no, Baal doesn't scream. There's no way. <laughs> this guy's killed millions. He's been in wars, galactic wars." He doesn't scream when an explosion goes off. Come on. And he's like, you're not going to scream? I said, no, I'm not going to scream. <laughs> it was amazing. And then we had a little break. And one of the cameramen came up to me. I don't remember who it was. He said, you're not going to scream, are you? So he agreed too. Yeah, yeah. So I said, no. He said, good. <laughs> so it was amazing. Yeah, it was. I, and I mean, that was, it was really funny. Peter didn't mind, you know, he let me yeah. do my own thing. But He's a good guy. Yeah, I, I, it was just really funny that he asked me to do that. You know, it was really funny. I mean, I had some situations in South Africa on the show I was on where they asked me to do certain things, and I said, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. You know, it's my character. Right. So. Well, it helps when you have clout, you know. But, yeah, I mean... Well, yeah, after, because an actor knows his character. Yeah. No one else knows the character, right. the character's mind, what's going on in his mind, like the actor, because you're the character. So when someone comes and tells you to do something and you tell them, even the writers, and they say to you, look, he should do this, and you say, no, that's not the character. Right. You know? Yes, in the first few episodes, for sure, if it was the first season, uh -huh. I might have listened to what Peter was saying. Right. But well, you're this still stage, trying to mold the character to at that point. Yeah, this stage, you know, I'd been in the show three or four years. Yeah. It was like, I know 
ball's uh-huh. not going to scream at an explosion. Well, so. it's all in the eyes. You know, yeah. if he, I mean, we've seen him like give the eyes to O'Neill. When he's pissed, yeah. it's in here, you know? Sure. And it's not just the glowing, it's just the, oh, I'm going to take care of you, you yeah. know? Yeah. So, yeah, being, you were working with Richard Dean Anderson uh, mm-hmm. a couple of scenes in, um, in the movie. What was it like being back with Rick again? Because uh, uh, most ball fans say Abyss is their favorite episode. You know, it was a great character uh, piece. There was such yeah. there was such torment in it. Yeah. You know? You know what? My one regret in the whole show is that I never got to work with Richard more often. We just never worked enough together. And I really think that Ball and Richard were the most interesting... When we were together, the relationship and the, the kind of mm-hmm. joking we had between us was one of the most interesting things in the show. Yeah. We just never really got it together and then he, you know, ended the series. But it was great for him to be back in the movie. I mean, that first scene... Mm-hmm which we shot the, the killing of Ball and uh, I saw him it was really it was really cool because I missed that interaction with yeah. him and when he looks at Ball he looks at him with like you're such an idiot <laughs> and I love that I love it because it just kind of brings out because that's mm-hmm. kind of eventually what became Ball's sense of humor as well because that's how he looks at people mm-hmm. you know so we had such a good interaction between the two of us and um in the movie there also wasn't enough there should have been yeah. more there well, really wasn't enough he wasn't in the movie yeah, yeah. If, and, and uh, I, I was lucky enough to be in, in the theater with, with the cast and crew when they were when they were screening it and I, I remember you know, I didn't I hadn't seen the photos that had apparently been released that showed Ball murdering Jack you know? and then when that happens because we think that I mean this whole thing is about Ball meeting his end and then all right. of a sudden we see O'Neill go right. by yeah that was a shot uh-huh. and that it's it's like you know I've got you again you know yeah. from Abyss it's just like here's my last love song to yeah. you and then it pounds him with the, yeah. with the I love that scene I loved yeah. it when I saw that in the script I thought that is great you know yeah. that's going to work so well and it did it was, was really good was there anything in the script uh, any scenes in the script that didn't get shot that you were looking forward to or was there everything was uh, everything no, that you everything wanted? I did was in okay yep yeah, and they didn't edit anything out which cool. is great yep so uh, still a highlight for you is that scene that that's close-up scene between you and Claudia yeah I love that kind of work you know I love okay. that even though there was like for me minimal dialogue in it it was just great I loved it yeah you know dialogue is everything is it yeah it was intense and obviously Claudia is, is uh-huh. just so good and she's captivating so mm-hmm. it was great yeah that's still my favorite scene alright um yep. we've never talked about your charities specifically um uh your um, bully breed uh, efforts. I'd love for you to talk about that. Mm. Um, yeah, Karma Rescue is an organization yeah. in LA that specializes in pit bulls, pit bull rescue. Uh, if any other dogs are brought to them, they will obviously take them in if they can. I think at the moment they have something like 60 animals um, and they can only take so many. It costs $30,000 a month to keep all these animals around every day. And that's all donations only. Um, so I work with them. I'm really a spokesperson for them when it comes to doing uh, any kind of television uh, shots or any kind of public um, um, uh, voiceover stuff or anything like that. So I haven't been with them on any rescues and I still want to go. They know I want to go. They are very, very dangerous because uh, they go, what happens is if police go and raid a, a dog fighting unit or whatever they go to somebody's house and arrest the people and there's dogs there and they're pit bulls they'll straight away call karma rescue and just give them the address so when the guys from karma rescue arrive there there's no one in the house with the dogs 
But now the problem is, is that there's neighbors. And generally the neighbors know each other. And in the areas that they go into, like in downtown LA and East LA, it's very dangerous because you're an outsider when you go in there. So immediately yeah, you kind they of, know. they're like, what are you doing in the street? And that guy who's just been arrested is probably his friend. Yeah. So when they go in to take the dogs, they've had a lot of flack sometimes from the neighbors coming outside and getting pretty aggressive with them. And the police won't do anything. They don't want to be involved in that. You know, it's totally up to the rescue organization to take them. But um, at the moment, they have five puppies, beautiful little uh, blue pits, which are just beautiful. If I didn't have my dog, you know, I'd be fostering. And one day when I don't have Harley anymore with me, I will foster dogs. I, I won't keep one on a permanent basis. I'd rather take one for a few weeks and, and, and let it have fun and get used to being with a human and then give him back and take another one and, and do that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's, you know, they work on donations. Obviously, I've got a link on my website. You know, people can just link straight through to them and donate whatever they want, even if they have blankets or anything like that that they don't want anymore. Instead of throwing it in the street, just, you know, put it in a box and send it to them. It's everything they use. Um, and, yeah, I mean, that's about it. There's a lot of organizations like that in L.A. because dog fighting is huge here, unfortunately. And... Um, well, it's all underground. It's all illegal. Right? Yeah, it's all illegal. Yeah. And the whole thing with Michael Vick, thank God, brought it all to a head yeah. and made people aware of it again, that this is going on. Mm-hmm. And pit bulls are the greatest dogs on earth. They really are the sweetest dogs. And I've seen it with my own eyes. Dogs that have been wanting to rip people's arms off when they have approached them. Three months later, they are the best pet. So, so this rescue specifically deprograms them? Yeah, what they do is they give them to a guy called, his name is Brandon. He's a dog whisperer, the same as uh, uh, Cesar Chavez. Yeah. They used to work together. And what Brandon will do, he'll keep them at his compound with a whole pack of dogs for yeah, three months. Yeah, and the dogs work and, together. Right, like and a, the dogs and, actually yeah. get that dog right, more yeah. so than the person. Yeah. And then they get used to it, then they start getting fostered out. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, a good 90% of them are all ready to go to homes. Oh, you know, and be with kids and everything. Yeah. Sure, there's always a pro- there's, you always gotta watch a dog like that. Oh, of course, if they res- have history, right. you know. If you've rescued a dog like that, yeah. And it's like any dog. Yeah. You don't let a little kid run up and put his face in the dog's face mm-hmm. and grab. Because any dog, Can if snap. it feels threatened, is going to snap. Yeah. You know? And unfortunately, it's one of those things when a pit bull does it, they are very, very powerful. Yeah. And they'll kill you. Yeah. you know? As opposed to a little uh, a poodle doing it, you'll get a bite. Uh-huh. But a pit bull will kill you. You, know? uh-huh. you can bite your arm off if it wants. So, but that's with any animal. You've got to be aware of it. You know? okay. But they're America's sweetheart dog. So, Pitbull is an American dog. Yeah, and, I, I completely know, They've agree. all had their turn. The Rottweilers, uh, German Shepherds, yeah. they've all been through this. Now it's people. So we just got to get people out of there and stop the dog fighting. So how do fans get involved in that? Um, they can, if, they are, if they're in the LA area, you know, they can speak to, go on the website, go to Karma Rescue. They're always looking for volunteers to help with the, the rescue days. They have rescue days down the road at these big pet stores. Um, they need people to come in there and walk the dogs all day because the dog will never sit in his cage longer than like 20 minutes. He's ah, constantly good. walked, then put back in the cage, good. and you'd work on like a rotational. So they're always looking for volunteers to go in there, uh, start working with the dogs, feed them, give them water, sit there, play with them. Be with them, yeah. And be with them. And, you know, people come up and ask you about the animals and, and that kind of thing, and that's what I do. You know, on the weekends when I'm around, I'll go to the dog adoptions and sit there the whole day and walk them, and then it's a lot of fun. And it's very rewarding, and it's very sad, but it's very rewarding 
You know, the, the hardest thing is at the end of the day putting the dogs back in their cage and they're going to go back to to the rescue center, you know? What got you interested in pit bulls to begin with? Did you see something when when you came over here? Did you grow up with them? or? You know what? I, I didn't grow up with pit bulls at all, but I got bull terriers. And it's the same kind of dog, the Spuds McKenzie dog. Um, I had two, now I've got one. And when I came in, I saw the whole thing with dog fighting going on. And then I got to know pit bulls and I met so many of them. And they just, I fell in love with the kind yeah. of dog they are. I just love that kind of dog. They're strong, they're powerful, they're intelligent. They're and beautiful. they're very good with kids if they grow up with a kid. And they're beautiful animals, you know. They're highly intelligent animals. And what I like about them is they're, they're a one-man dog. And, like, my dog follows me around the house. And I have a friend who has a blue pit bull who's 10 years old. And wherever he goes, that dog is sitting. He just wants to be with him the whole time. Could Harley care less for Colette? Yeah, I know he does. He does. He does. He's actually, both Colette and I are both the dominants. We are kind of equal in his eyes. Uh, Both Which is quite amazing, yeah. Wow, cool. Yeah, Yeah, because one one master, you know, one pack leader. That's cool. Yeah. Probably because we don't have kids, you know. It's just the two of us. And he's our kid. So he looks up to the both of us equally. Yeah. But no, I just I love pit bulls. I love I love that uh, breed of dog. Are you actively auditioning anywhere right now? Where, where should where should we be uh, keeping an eye out for you? Uh, no, no auditions at all. You know, I'm working on my, my own projects. We have uh, I'm producing a um, a western. We have really? the pilot already. It's called it's going to be called Dust, and we've just got a guy on board now. We've uh, signed a letter of intent with him. He's going to be building the website and game. So what we're going to do is we're packaging the whole thing together and we're going to try and sell it. It's, uh, we have the pilot. It's great. My character's name is uh, Hoyt Robot. It's all in steampunk fashion, which is like the wild, wild west. Yeah. So I'm actually robotic inside, but it's a western. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of goth horror western. It's going to be a sci-fi show. It's brilliant. It really is brilliant. I can't wait to get it off the ground. I'm, so, I'm really excited about it. So my character is a real bad guy, but he's the good guy. Um, it's basically a group of lawmen who are taken and turned into these robots for the, for the landowners, for the wealthy landowners. So he was originally human? He was originally human, yeah. Wow. He got and they changed. capture these guys, but he's the only one who escapes with his brain. The other guys have already been through the whole process. So he starts hunting down the other robots who are trying to take over the towns and all the money and all that kind of thing. It's a very interesting story, and he has a son um, who's never seen him, and he gets to meet his son in the end of the pilot. So that we're going to shoot, hopefully January, February, we'll start shooting that. It's going to be a lot of CGI, a lot of special effects, and uh, it's quite an exciting little project. you have any networks fighting? Uh, not yet, no, okay. not yet. And I have a very good friend of mine, uh, Marco Beltrami, who did the, yeah, you know, composer Great for musician. 310 to you. Yeah, he's uh, given us a letter of intent. He's going to do the music. Sweet. And I was really happy because to have him on board because his his music is amazing. When you have the right talent, it's hard to lose. Yeah, because he knows westerns. He did the music for Terminator. Mm-hmm. We want a mixture of that. We want Terminator meets 310 to you. That's it. Wow. And it's going to be great. Um, and the other project, I have the life rights to a black athlete, a swimmer, and uh, I'm busy writing the treatment for that. And that will go into development as soon as the treatment's done. I can't say any more about that. Though. Okay. But yeah. that'll hopefully next year we'll get that into development, and uh, I'm, I want Will Smith to play the lead. It's going to be a big movie. Well, we sure hope that Ball's journey isn't over, but you know, it sounds like you're doing very well and keeping very active and yeah. doing exactly what you want to be doing. Yeah, try. No greater reward. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly, that's great.